Welcome to worship at MCC Lehigh Valley. Let's join in our call to worship. We have come together today bearing our struggles and burdens. Today we place our struggles in God's loving hands so we may be healed. Burden lifting God, we come to you in faith, trusting in your healing mercies. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship. In my Savior's house, in my 
separates the church from the world? Well, it's that we pray and that uh, we believe that we can access the power of God uh, through prayer. And so let's join our, our prayer energy together today. We've established that this is a sacred space here, uh, that God is present. This is praying ground that we're on. And so uh, if you are worshiping online, and if you have a prayer need today, we want to pray on that need. Uh, so just type your prayer need directly into the comments. For those who are worshiping in person in the sanctuary, in just a moment, I am going to pause. And into that pause, we're going to speak our prayer needs for a person, a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. Uh, I have a... a few neighbors that I'll be lifting up in prayer today, uh, a situation, a circumstance, whatever it is, uh, just lift up that person, lift up that situation uh, in the pause. Lord God, we have lifted up to you, beloved ones, beloved ones who may be struggling right now with physical illness, maybe a mental health diagnosis, a lot of people in transition right now, Lord God. 
we entrust these beloved ones to you. And we thank you, God, for the wisdom, the understanding, the discernment, and that awesome healing that you pour out on your people. If there's anyone in this sanctuary, if there's anyone who is worshiping online, who's just in a difficult place, can, cannot see a way out, we trust you, God, that, that you make a way where it seems like there is no way. And so we ask that you remove any barriers, Lord God, remove any blockages for those who are feeling stuck. Lord God, there are people gathered for worship today who are feeling joy, who are feeling centeredness, and we praise you for that, Lord God, and we just boldly ask for a deepening of that joy and a deepening of that centeredness. God, you call us to judge not, to see people the way that you see them, to see people with love and understanding. And so grow us, God. Grow each and every one of us in being non-judgmental. And bless this worship service. This isn't just any old worship service. This is set apart for you, God. This is special time with your beloved ones in your presence. This set-apart time, this set-apart place. We know that you're going to bless this time, and we are grateful, God. And let's all say, Amen. sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can't
has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. I'm going to sing that chorus one more time. I, I don't know about you, but I am so blessed this morning to be here. And I'm blessed that I can be here with all of my faults, all of my brokenness, all of my pain, all of that stuff that I might separate me from who God is. But God welcomes me and welcomes you just as you are. Take this moment and praise God for that fact because you know who you are. God welcomes you just as you are. Our reading today comes from chapter 7 of the Gospel according to Matthew. Hear God's word for you. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the lock, log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Praise God indeed. Well, it's such a pleasure for me to introduce our preacher today, uh, Minister for Administration here at MCCLV, Ray Joseph. Ray Joseph came to MCCLV with a retail leadership background um, and is looking to take the ordination path in metropolitan community churches. Ray is married to Jeff Joseph, and let's give Ray a warm welcome here this morning. Good morning, everyone. In our scripture reading today, we hear Jesus talking about not passing judgment on others, and he makes a really great point. 
How can we pass judgment on others when we have done many things that we can be judged for? But this scripture reading is not the only example in the Bible telling us not to judge. We can look at James chapter 4, verse 12. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who are you then to judge your neighbor? James chapter 2, verse 13. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light things now hidden in darkness and will dissolve the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive commendation from God. And Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. Now, I particularly like Romans because it tells us that when we pass judgment on others, it creates a stumbling block in their way. Judgment is reserved for God because God knows things that we do not. I think the greatest example of why we should show mercy instead of judgment is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, the story goes like this. Jesus and his disciples were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, but it was a very long journey. So they decided to take the quickest route, which is through Samaria. Now, Jesus was a little tired, he was thirsty, so he sat by Jacob's well while his followers went into the local village to buy some food. Around noontime, Jesus noticed a Samaritan woman coming to the well to draw water. Now, this surprised Jesus because normally the women would draw water in the mornings or in the evenings when the weather was cooler. Jesus tells her, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the Samaritan woman was confused. She wasn't quite understanding what Jesus was saying. And even though they had never met before, Jesus revealed that he knew various things about her life, like the fact that she had been married five different times. After Jesus told her these many things about her life, he had her full attention, and she insisted that he must be a prophet. After talking for a bit on views, on worship, the woman told Jesus that she believed that the Messiah was coming. And he told her, I who speak to you am he. It was then that the woman realized who was before her, and at that moment, the disciples had returned, and they were shocked to see that Jesus was speaking with a woman. And in that moment, she dropped her water jar, returned to her village, and proclaimed, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Now, to truly understand this story, there's a few things that you must keep in mind. During his time with the woman at the well, Jesus broke three customs that the Jews followed. First, he was speaking to a woman. Second, she was a Samaritan woman. And the third custom Jesus broke was he asked her to get him a drink of water, even though her cup or jar would have made him ceremonially unclean. The woman Jesus met had faced judgment and persecution from her own community. That's why she always went to draw water on the hottest part of the day, because she was shunned and rejected by all the other women for her past choices and decisions. Despite knowing all of this, Jesus still accepted her and ministered her.
That is why Jesus' final commandment to his followers was to love one another just as I have loved you. Because love has the power to heal and judgment has the power to destroy. When God created us, he gave us a commission to be stewards of the planet, not to pass judgment on others. If God wanted us to judge others, God would have told us that. Instead, Jesus already told us that the angels will be the ones to render judgment. In his fishing net parable, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they pulled it up on the shore. They sat down and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Now, despite Jesus' teachings, we still seem to pass judgment onto others especially when it comes to addiction. For a long time, it was believed that addiction was a personal weakness, an overindulgence, a choice that a person made simply because they had a lack of willpower to stop. However, the opinion of the medical and scientific communities has changed the idea that pleasure is the sole purpose that drives people to addictive behaviors has become less popular. It is now believed that people who suffer from addiction participate in ac addictive activities because they want to escape emotional or physical discomfort. They do so as a form of self-medication because they want to feel good or feel better. Now, the DSM, or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, is a guide that mental health professionals use to diagnose mental disorders and psychiatric illnesses. And I was shocked to learn that until the current edition, the DSM-5, the term addiction was not listed in any prior editions. Well, thankfully, it was added and lists addiction as both a substance use disorder, such as drugs and alcohol, and non-substance use disorders, such as food, exercise, or gambling. For many years, it was believed that you could have multiple addictions. You've probably heard people say, I have an alcohol addiction or a gambling addiction. However, addiction experts no longer believe that there are multiple addictions, each tied to a certain substance or activity. Instead, they believe there is one addiction that is associated with multiple addictive expressions. The object of the addiction can be almost anything. It can be a drug or drug-free activity. And for something to become an addiction, it must change a person's subjective experience to something that makes them feel good or makes them feel better. Now, advances in medical technologies have allowed experts to deepen their understanding of addiction through brain imaging technologies. These technologies have shown that everyone's brain responds differently to pleasurable experiences, whether it's chemical substances or behaviors. One term you hear surrounding addiction is the alcoholism gene. And while it's true some people are more likely to suffer from addiction due to genetics, experts have found that the gene is not specific to any one type of addiction, rather just addiction in general. What we draw from this is that the object of the addiction is not as important, but it's that addiction is a relationship between a person and objects or activities. The disease forces the addiction to become the most important thing in someone's life, while well, things like their job, their family, and their health become less important. 
At the end of the day, addiction is a complex and intricate disease that makes you feel like it's helping you, when in reality, it's destroying you. The statistics on addiction are truly shocking. The 2020 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, released by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, found that over the course of one month, 50% of people aged 12 or older, or 138.5 million people, had used alcohol. Among the 138.5 million people who were current alcohol users, 61.6 million people were classified as binge drinkers, and 17.7 million people were classified as heavy drinkers. The percentage of people who were binge alcohol users was highest among young adults aged 18 to 25 at 31.4%, compared with adults aged 26 or older at 22.9%, and adolescents aged 12 to 17 at 4.1%. Among people aged 12 or older, 9.5 million people misused opioids. Among the 9.5 million people, 9.3 million people misused prescription pain medication. An estimated 745,000 people used heroin, and approximately 2 million people used methamphetamines. The data showed that overdose rates involving methamphetamines had quadrupled from 2011 to 2017. An estimated 5.5 million people aged 12 or older were past users of cocaine and about 778,000 users of crack. And the CDC reported that overdose deaths involving cocaine had increased by a third from 2016 to 2017. In 2014, Amsterdam had experienced a pattern of heroin-related deaths and hospitalizations. When Amsterdam realized this, they chose to try and make everyone safer, opposed to criminalizing people who use drugs. The problem Amsterdam had was people were mistaking pure heroin, also known as white heroin, as cocaine. In the wake of all of this, the city decided to take massive steps to combat this awful trend. But they didn't do it in the way that you probably think. Instead of criminalizing people, Amsterdam decided to launch a citywide campaign to educate people and wanted to reassure them that they could seek medical attention without the fear of police reprisal. Now, this mindset is very similar to the Dutch drug laws, which prioritize providing aid over stigmatizing drug use. The Dutch approach allows authorities to have an open dialogue with drug users when various new dangers arise, like this white heroin. Drug users are not thought of as criminals, like in the US, but rather as normal people engaging in an unhealthy behavior. The American criminal justice system has this knee-jerk reaction to choose mass incarceration instead of choosing rehabilitation. At the end of the day, the approach to drug abuse comes down to using common sense. If you're afraid of getting arrested or thrown into jail, you're less likely to seek medical treatment when you're having an overdose or other drug-related complications arise. If American drug policy truly prioritizes citizens' health and well-being over anything else, it might be a good idea to start looking at the Netherlands as a model. Now, when you have someone in your life who's suffering from this disease, there's a few things that you're going to want to keep in mind. Keep in mind that you want to make sure to have compassion 
You wouldn't blame someone if they had cancer or diabetes. Instead, you'd likely show compassion and help them survive their illness. When it comes to the disease of addiction, make sure you show empathy and understanding. It's important to remember that addiction isn't something someone chooses. It's not a flaw in their character, but that it is a disease. You don't want to shame this person or criticize them. As humans, our nature sometimes forces us to shift the blame. It makes it easier to understand a problem if we have a source to focus that blame on. The problem with this disease is there is a lot of gray area. So there's not just one thing to blame. And remember that the person suffering from addiction is not at fault because addiction is a disease. Shame or criticism is going to be counterproductive to someone's recovery. There's quite a few reasons why someone may avoid seeking treatment. They most likely feel shame or they feel that they'll be looked down upon. They feel their job or relationships will be endangered because they feel if they admit they have an addiction, they could lose everything. When it comes to diseases of the brain, there's still a lot of stigma surrounding addiction and various mental illnesses. Someone suffering from this disease may not want to expose themselves to that kind of stigma. They may be in denial because they don't want to admit that they have an addiction, let alone want to try and get treatment. You don't want to expect immediate change. Make sure to have realistic expectations. Recovery is an ongoing process and it won't be fixed in the short term. It's going to take a lot of time and effort and continued support from doctors and those close to the person who's suffering. During recovery, some treatments may only work for a short time and may need to be adjusted. But it's important to keep in mind that just because certain treatments don't work doesn't mean that all treatments are going to fail. You might need a variety of treatments to figure out which one is going to work best. Make sure that you're educating yourself on this disease. This will allow you to help your loved one, and educating yourself on the specific type of treatment that your loved one is in will allow you to better understand what they're going through and what kind of help they are receiving. Don't enable your loved one. It can be very difficult sometimes to discern whether we're helping our loved one or whether we're enabling them. Let's say the object of your loved one's addiction is alcohol. You might think that offering to drive them home when they get too intoxicated is helping them, when in reality it's just enabling their behavior. It's telling them that you are constantly available to rescue them. People suffering from addiction are more likely to seek treatment when they are forced to face the consequences of their actions. And make sure that you're not just taking care of the person that's suffering from addiction, but make sure you're taking care of yourself too. We sometimes feel like we must focus all of our energy on the person we're helping, but we can't help anyone if we're not taking care of ourselves. Don't allow the addiction to become the focus of your life. Continue doing all those things you love, like hobbies and social outings. It's important to make sure that you're participating in activities that are not centered around your loved one's disease. Remember that the disease of addiction does not just affect the person suffering from it, but it does affect everybody in their lives. You need to be in a good place so that you can better help your loved one battling this disease. And 
If you're struggling, it's not a flaw to admit that you might be in over your head and might need to seek therapy or counseling to help you process everything that's going on. And finally, it's important that you don't violate their privacy. Their disease is their story to tell. And while you might be tempted to vent about what your loved one is going through with their addiction, it's important to allow them to tell their own story. Make sure that it's okay with your loved one before telling anybody else. If you're going through therapy or counseling with your loved one, don't reveal anything that was said in your sessions. And if your loved one is attending therapy or counseling on their own and they don't really want to talk about what was discussed, don't push them for details. Respect that they're just not ready to talk about it yet. Addiction is a disease of lies, and the best way to counter lies is with honesty. When someone is suffering from addiction, they need to be honest with themselves and look inward and ask the important question, what am I feeling that's causing me to go towards my addiction? Before I conclude today, I want to speak directly to anyone, whether they're in the sanctuary or whether they're online, that is suffering from this disease. God tells us that we are all equal before the cross. And I want you to know that you are worthy, that you are valued, and that you are loved. Don't give up and don't lose hope. Know that you are stronger than your disease. And don't forget that even if there's no one in your life to support you, God will always be there with you. Church, let us pray. Burden-lifting God, we thank you and praise you for, for the forgiveness you show us when we pass judgment onto others. Remind us that we are not called to judge, but to lift each other up when we fall, to support each other when we struggle, and to love each other just as Jesus loves us. We ask that you help heal all those who are suffering from the disease of addiction and remind them that in you, hope can never die. Amen. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Hosanna. Greetings, my name is Kim Robinson and I bring you greetings from my home in Eastern Pennsylvania. I give to God through MCCLV because it is my 
responsibility as a Christian. If I consider myself a Christian, I consider myself having a great concern and love for those that are in my community. And when there is a need that arises, I feel as though I should step up to the plate. The church provides a lot of wonderful things for our community. And I count it a great honor to be able to give to support that. Um, I am able to give through God's goodness and his grace. So with that, I am so uh, honored to return it to those that are in need. You can give your offering online through MCCLV's website at www.mcclv.org. Click donate online or go to www.givebutter.com forward slash MCCLV. You may also write a check to MCCLV and mail it to the church at 1401 Greenview Drive in Bethlehem, 18018. For those who are present in person at the church, the ushers will share the offering basket shortly during worship. God has given us every good thing. Let's return to God a portion of all that God has so graciously given to us. And we want to pray a, a special prayer today uh, for anyone who may be worshiping who is experiencing addiction or has a, a loved one, a co-worker, a, a neighbor, someone uh, who has an addiction. Uh, and we pray, uh, Lord God, for not just for your compassion, but th your compassion might work through us. Thank you, God, for your great and never-ending love, which is poured out on all of your people forever and ever. Amen. You could please rise as able. Let's join in our commission and blessing. God has lifted our burdens and healed our souls. As we go forth from this place, let us help others shed their burdens, just as the binder of wounds has helped us shed our own. Amen.
the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen.